Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news... All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. I want to have these important conversations. We got expert advice from the professionals. Nothing is off limits. Welcome to my podcast, Rach Leary Rated R. Welcome back to another episode of Rach Leary Rated R. I am so excited for this episode. I've recorded this a while ago, so I've just been so, yeah, excited for you guys to hear this episode. I feel like I'm excited about every episode because that was the whole point of this podcast. I wanted to get really exciting, interesting, knowledgeable people on that I know you guys are going to love hearing me chat to and really just get some great insight on all sorts. So as the title of this episode may suggest, today we are going to be learning about psychosexual education. And if you don't know what that means, it's all about, you know, how the mind impacts our sex life and all the different things that, you know, you may not have even realised that you've experienced that impact you and your sex life. Honestly, this is one of the most interesting episodes I've done so far. And I say that about every episode, but I'm going to toot my own horn. They're all fucking interesting. That's the whole point. We are going to be chatting to the amazing Kate Moyle. I will leave all of her links where you can find her after this in the description of this podcast. And we do chat about them in the episode. She has her own podcast and obviously an Instagram, which will both be linked down below for you guys to check out afterwards. As you'll see, she is honestly amazing. Such an easy woman to speak to. So knowledgeable. Just really opened my eyes to so many things that I didn't, even realise, not not that I didn't know that existed, but just hadn't really thought about when it comes to sex. Honestly, it is the sex education I didn't have in school, the psychosexual side of everything, the sex of the mind. So I really hope you guys love this episode. I feel like you're going to absolutely love it and just leave this with a totally different outlook on everything. So before we jump in, I just wanted to remind you guys to follow the Rated R podcast, obviously on whatever platform you're listening on right now, if you haven't already, either Spotify or Apple, I feel like they're the most common ones. Also to follow the Rated R podcast on Instagram, it's the at Rated R podcast, so you never miss any updates about guests or a chance to get involved and submit your own questions. But without further ado, please welcome the absolutely phenomenal Kate Moyle. Kate, I'm so excited to talk to you. Um, Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you for having me on. I love having these conversations. I actually think that in a way they are bringing all the conversations out of the therapy room into general conversation and are so normalising and that's such a massive part of what I'm trying to do. I feel like a lot of people don't have access to people like you, so you were definitely someone that I wanted to get on, and it is people like you, which are the reason why I actually wanted to start this podcast, because your job and, like, the stuff that you must talk about and the way that you help people is just really, really interesting to me, and I'm sure um, is to a lot of other people. Um, So for people who don't actually know you or what you do... I feel like Kate has a few job titles, as I saw. Um, so I thought for your introduction, I will let you break it down and you tell us. So you're a psychosexual and relationship therapist. So what on earth is that? 
<laughs> it's a job that a lot of people don't know exists. Um, so basically, in a nutshell, I'm a psychotherapist, a talking therapist for people specifically with sex and relationship problems or difficulties, challenges around anything to do with sex. In a nutshell, the sign above the door is it's okay to talk about sex here. I would love and... that. I feel like I need that above my, like <laughs> on my podcast as well. Um, and it's really just about offering people the help they need, trying to help people to make changes in their sex lives. And it might be anything from couples struggling with desire to trying to conceive, to people who have had miscarriages, to people struggling with erectile dysfunction, to infidelity in relationships, to sexual anxiety, someone questioning their sexuality, to sexually traumatic experiences, or just through to people saying, I don't feel good about sex, or I don't feel like I understand sex, or I've never had sex, or I can't enjoy sex. And really, anything comes under the remit of what people can talk about. Oh my god, you you must have like sort of the most interesting days ever really when it comes to like talking to all different kinds of people and all the different sexual issues and situations that we do go through. We are going to touch on a few of these later, but you're also a certified psychosexologist. So is that sort of similar to what you've just touched on or is that something kind of totally different? No, it's very similar and basically it is a European qualification that I took a couple of years ago alongside a lot of um, medical doctors and so there were doctors and therapists doing the same training together so it was a really medically kind of quite um, more I suppose intensive training and for me it's a way of just expanding my knowledge and learning much more about the medical side of things and it's basically, you know, studying someone who studies sex and relationships, someone who works with sex and relationships. So how long do you study for to get this like job title and the qualifications and stuff? Is it like one of these long courses or? Yeah, it's I mean, it depends. There's so many routes into therapy. And like that's the thing. I get a lot of messages from people saying, how do I become a psychosexologist? How do I become a psychotherapist or a psychosexual therapist? And there are so many different routes into it. My route was I initially trained um, doing a psychology degree and then I basically kind of merged into this line of work. So did a two-year training as a psychosexual therapist and then a three-year master's as a relationship therapist. Um, so it's really, there are different ways that you can approach it or different kind of, some people might come, for example, from medicine or it might be a second career or it might be because they've worked in sexual health and then they want to expand into it it's really about finding the the right path that works for you and that just happened to be mine right where did your like interest spark from like what made you think like this this is really fascinating I want to go down this path I think I've always been interested in people and I know that sounds really basic (laughs) I've always been the person even at school who was kind of talking to different people and off doing something and I worked with um, lots of different kind of like groups of people when I was younger and I've just always been fascinated in like what makes people tick yeah and psychology and it really all stemmed from there and then it's just something that I've never really understood why sex is so different to everything else in life yeah and why we treat it so differently And as a result of that, we see so many people have so many problems with it that I was like, why is that? And I kind of delved into it that way. No, do you know what? You've hit the nail on the head because I feel like so many people can relate to that. I actually did psychology in school and whenever we had the lessons on like Freud and stuff like that, that was always like the best lesson. It was just so interesting to really just like look at the, yeah, the psycho side of it and really just break it down and, yeah, at the end of the day, with most things, it all comes down to science. And, like, even with sex, it comes down to science. And I think people don't realise how fascinating it is. And it doesn't have to be, like, this weird, weird topic. It's actually really quite interesting. So that actually leads us on to, like, the next section that I wanted to talk to you about, which is um, something that I know you wanted to talk about as well, but it's definitely something that I wanted to pick your brain on, and that's just sex education in general and I feel like we low-key love sex education like in school we got taught the most 
basic sex education in your lessons. It was just so man, woman, babies, that mm. kind of thing. And nowadays, and well, actually, you're now you're basically with the rest of sex education just kind of thrown in the deep end. You just got to navigate it yourself, or you know, there's people like you that you know we can talk to. Um, but one thing that I thought when you mentioned sex education, I instantly thought of, I don't know if that's me just being Gen Z or whatever, but um, did you or have you watched the show Sex Education on, on Netflix? I absolutely love it. Oh, you love it? I okay, good. I binged the whole series last weekend. I saved it. I had a long train journey and I saved it and it was, a, you know, I was a week behind it coming out and I just couldn't talk. I didn't talk to anyone for yeah, like a well, day. Yeah, because obviously it's a TV show, but I never know people like you that are actually like sex therapists, whether or not you think, like, I was just thinking, like, do you think it's it does a good job of, like, highlighting common sexual issues, situations, and, you know, traumas, I, I guess, um, if you've watched the show, that young adults go through. I think it does an amazing job. And I know that the producers and the creators are really thoughtful. I know I know them um, and I know a lot of people that work with them. And a colleague and a friend of mine is a consultant on the scripts. And I know she's unbelievably good at her job. And I know that they really, really have put so much into making it amazing and highlighting that and I think one of the biggest things when the first series came out that people said to me a lot was I didn't really think about the fact that young people had sexual problems and you know there's always this assumption that it was something that happened later in life and to older people and this is something I've been talking about for a long long time because the majority of my clients are in their 20s and 30s and I was like well yeah of course but it's it's this it highlights so much and they have crammed so much into those series and so much thinking and so many um, kind of platforms for people to then jump off and go and explore. You know, they talk about vaginismus, erectile dysfunction, sexual trauma, sexuality, being non-binary, um, relationships, consent, the relationships between like parent and child. I mean, they've, they've yeah. done an amazing job. I can't recommend it highly enough for anyone that hasn't seen it. It's also so fun. Yeah, I was going to say, now you've said it, they really do touch on so many things, but it's in a way that just like in everyday life, you might not have even noticed that that was a sexual problem or, or a situation. And it really helps to see, especially, you know, in culture as well, when it comes to the sexual issues that come up and what's allowed and what not allowed. And it really makes you think like, well, you know, like I thought maybe there was like issues that I faced, but you know, there is just so many. So do you feel like shows like this are the new, not like the new way to teach people, but maybe this the new way as, you know, times develop and stuff like that to actually bring attention to these situations to a younger audience because like you said it is much more common these days for younger people to actually experience this and if it wasn't for shows like this you might not have even realized that you went through something like that I think the great thing about it is it's although the clues in the name it's kind of covert like it gets into people's houses and into their living rooms and onto their laptops without them thinking that actually they're getting sex education yeah and thinking you know, oh, sex education is a bit scary or a bit intimidating or I shouldn't be talking about this or it's non-pressurised, it's normalising, it's fun, it's conversational and everyone's talking about it. So suddenly, everyone's talking about sex without it being a taboo subject because everyone wants to talk about sex education because it's so good. Yeah. So I think that these kind of shows do play a part even if it's in a small way of like changing the conversation and moving it forward and people being like, oh, okay, we can talk about that. Yeah, just sort of almost like modernising it all. And like, to be fair, as much as I love it and I know all my friends love it and you're saying that you love it, I was on the train the other day and I walked past like this really old lady who was watching it on Netflix and I was like, do you see what it's for everyone? Like, there's so many different storylines, even with... um, Oh, God, I forget her name. Literally the sex therapist in it. like with her, Yeah, with her being, like, pregnant and stuff. Like, it really does touch on... That's not her name, actually. What is her name? Jane Milburn. That's oh, that's... The, yeah, I was going to say, it's something, it's something like that. But, um, yeah, they touch on so many things that, you know, you forget. Like, in school, I always... Someone said this the other day, and I was like, that's so true. Um, in school, they teach you... It's all about how not to get pregnant. This is how you don't get pregnant. Like, don't get pregnant, don't get pregnant. And then obviously, like, later on in life, having a family is an absolute blessing. And then it's like, well, actually, I wasn't told really what to do when you when you 
can't get pregnant or like when you're trying mm. to get pregnant like what to do like when to get and that perimenopausal women can get pregnant yeah exactly so i feel like that show really really is for everyone moving on slightly but it's still sort of touching on these sorts of topics i'm sure within your job you've seen many topics like under the umbrella of sex but i just wanted to see if there was anything that you've noticed or like something that stands out that seems to be a common topic that people don't know a lot about like you get a lot of people coming to you with like a similar sort of thing that maybe you think god you know what so many people don't know about this that therefore you think it should be being taught or like you know spoken about more yeah i mean for me one of the most common threads that goes through almost every single person story that I'm working with is anxiety in some way, shape or form. And I think that people assume that the people that come and see me are people that have like medical problems or have had cancer or have had, um, you know, fertility treatments or an accident or there must be something medically wrong. I do obviously see those people, but they are the minority of my caseload and what is more common is that I see people that have, for example, been to see a GP and the GP is like, everything is fine. That's an indicator that what's going on for you is psychological. Right. And what happens in the most basic of terms is when we have a sexual problem or a challenge with sex, because it's so high pressure or high stress or important and vulnerable, is it's much quicker for it to go wrong quickly if that makes sense so like what a one-off event could spiral into a sexual problem really quickly yeah whereas in the rest of our lives if we got something wrong we might be able to brush it off a bit more kind of it wouldn't mean so much that the next time we go into that situation we're not kind of carrying it with us yeah well, and when I... it comes no, no no sorry carry on sorry i was gonna say when it comes to sex we see that actually like the fear of getting it wrong or failing inverted commas is so massive that that becomes such a problem for people. And the other side of that is the only versions of sex we really see are like perfect, flawless versions. Yeah. So we're all thinking, well, no one else is going this wrong or no one else is struggling. Right. So it must just be me. Oh my God, what does that mean? And that is not a good headspace to be in, to have an enjoyable, pleasurable well, we are, we are going to touch on um, sex anxiety because when you suggested that to me as a topic, I was like, that is such um, I feel like not spoken about enough topic, and it's so common for so many reasons. But touching on the whole like perfect scenario thing, I think that's why people don't realise how toxic porn can be because it's like you might. If you don't deep it too much, you are just thinking, I'm just watching a video that's going to turn me on. I'm going to get, you know, me done off, whatever. But if that's all that you're looking at, like, to turn you on and, you know, that's what you think sex is, that's a humongous amount of pressure to, like, put on yourself, put, therefore, on your partner. And, therefore, when you don't perform like they do, if you're not aroused, your partner's then a bit, like, uh, am I doing something wrong? Like, I don't really know. So yeah, we're, we're definitely going to touch on that a little bit later. But first of all, another thing that you suggested that we discuss are sexual narratives, which I'm not going to lie. I actually had to do a little research on myself because I didn't know what that was really when you'd said it. I was like, I feel like I've, I've heard of that term, but I don't really know like a huge amount about it. So for anyone else that doesn't know, can you just tell us what they are? Oh, well, wait, first, can I ask what you found out or what you discovered and then we can uh well narratives is that just like sexual narratives is sort of the way that you think about sex sort of and how you picture it to be whether it's good or like bad like something it may be a result of like a past experience or like something and therefore you now may just see sex in like one specific way and I'm glad that we are touching on this because we are going to have a, a section at the end where um it's called Dear Kate I got people to send in their um their questions and their queries and stuff and I and this came up a lot actually of I had a really bad experience with sex and like can I get over that what are your tips to get over that so yeah I feel like that might be um having a negative sexual narrative if that's the way to say it so yeah just want to tell us a little bit like what what that is what does sex what are sexual narratives well like our narratives are basically like the stories that we have 
about sex. So we have them about lots of things in life, but they are really strong when it comes to sex. And it might be that we have never thought about it. And they are like the messages that we pick up, kind of like the invisible rules that we abide by, but we don't necessarily really know why we abide from them or where we came from, where they came from. So one that I, you know, hear quite a lot is from men particularly is like sex has to last like a certain amount of time let's just say right basic example and so then when I talk to say if it's a man that I'm working with who's got that there and I'm like okay but who told you that like where is that written down somewhere or where is that the rule that says that and they're like oh just it kind of is or another one might be um good girls don't have sex or like too much sex makes you inverted commas a slut And so then they're like the undercurrent kind of stories of what we judge ourselves kind of against. And particularly when it comes to sex, we want to fit the norm. We want to fit the expectation. We don't like to be an outlier on a trend. We like to be kind of inverted commas normal. But so much of that is like not helpful. Um, Our messages and things that have been passed down from future generations might be because we saw something happen and so we've internalised what we saw happen and we're like, well, I don't want to do that or that happened to them so I can't be like that because then that might happen to me. And so there are all these messages, stories, kind of storylines, ideas about sex that we live by but they might all not be positive. I'd say a lot aren't positive, not helpful, not promoting us having fun, pleasurable, yeah. what are some enjoyable common, sex. What are some common harmful narratives that, you know, you you come across, like, quite often? So those might be some. Um, that, another one, and they, they tie in a lot with kind of myths, um, is that men start sex and women respond to sex. So that's another thing. Men are always up for sex and women aren't, but women respond. Um, that men should always have a... 10 out of 10 rock hard erection and that should never <laughs> falter right. um, for women that women should always be wet or that both partners should orgasm simultaneously so that's another one so like orgasms have to be together sex should be spontaneous is one that I hear a lot and what you'll notice is I'm saying the word should a lot yeah I mean, a lot of what this is about is the shoulds, like should sex. Everything you've said, I feel like is, you hear that stuff all of the time. And I guess you don't really realise the impact that that has on you sort of maybe subconsciously of just like applying pressure, even more pressure to a situation that is so intimate anyway. And like, so can be obviously just quite nerve wracking that would then when you get in your head about those things, it just, yeah, it can affect your performance. It just adds adds to the stress of something that's already yeah. deemed like this huge, huge deal. But I feel like that's another one as well, that sex is a huge deal. Is, is that a narrative? Because like some people are like so terrified to lose their virginity because it's this huge deal. The situation mm. needs to be perfect. You're putting so much pressure on yourself. Do I need to be in love with this guy? Like every, like I'm, I'm scared to just have sex but for some people it's not that deep and like you know the act of sex sex itself isn't a big deal but they're told by everyone around them that like you know every sexual partner you have has to really mean something and and stuff like that but some people yeah I guess might just have a naturally high sex drive and if you want to satisfy that you shouldn't yeah I I, oh yeah I didn't really think of like all these different sexual narratives that I think there are ideas a lot about like there are lots of ideas about what good sex and bad sex are. And, and this is audio, but I'm doing like inverted commas with my hands here. And, you know, historically particularly, there, were, there was kind of the sex that is good, okay for you to be having and kind of within the remits of what's good. And then sex which is outside of that, which is considered not good. Now, a really basic example of that might be, and quite a historical one, um, sex is something that should be had within a marriage. Sex is something that should be had between man and woman. You know, stuff that we see is really heteronormative and really damaging. So then you have a female-female relationship who feel like the sex that they are having 
is not the right kind of sex because it doesn't fit. I mean, that is, you know, a lot of that is kind of not okay and is very, um, you know, historically... Yeah, just such a dated phobic. view on... Exactly, homophobic. Yeah. But, you know, a lot of people have really battled with that stuff. And we see that internalised homophobia is incredibly damaging to people. But they're a reality. Lots of those situations are a, rela- a reality of the world that we have found ourselves in. And so, for example, working through a lot of that stuff is something I do in therapy yeah. a lot. And the narratives bit, the myths and kind of truths. You know, I have an exercise with people that I'm working with and we write down all of their beliefs about sex. So it might be something they go away and do between sessions and I'm like fill a piece of A4 with everything that you believe about sex and bring it in and we go through each point yeah I was I was gonna say what do you think is the best way to like overcome these in order to have like a healthy pleasurable sex life so yeah writing it down is is this something that's writing down the narrative yeah that's like a specific exercise I do in therapy because obviously you know when we're working with people and we're talking about stuff like that it might be really challenging to think that because also that person might be like okay but we're challenging it now but that's the rule I've lived by my whole life and you know what I'm realizing is it might not be serving me in a good positive helpful healthy way but that's still really challenging for me to let go of because for 25 years that's been that's been the way I've lived and I'm recognizing now that something isn't working but there are a lot of feelings about that yeah because we have those narratives kind of have a place in some way, shape or form in our lives. But the thing that I would say that people can do to start is start listening to different perspectives, different voices, reading books, watching TED Talks, listening to podcasts, following, you know, I would say sexual health professionals. So make sure that the people that you're getting your information from are kind of accredited and know what they're talking about. I mean, about. this is a perfect time to plug your podcast. <clears throat> Um, my podcast is the sexual wellness session Um, and I have lots of those people on my podcast but more for me there are some amazing amazing resources and the opening up perspective bit suddenly starts to challenge our quite one-dimensional views when it comes to sex and what again we know about sex is because of the taboo nature of it and the hidden nature of it is we don't ask questions like we do everything else in life. We don't have open conversations. We don't ask. We don't, um, you know, sit down and say, what do you think about this? Like, I was talking about this with someone today because... So what it does is it keeps our perspectives and our narratives unchanged a lot of the time. Because unlike everything else in life where we take other people's opinions and we chat through stuff and we question and we say, what do you think about that? Or when the last time you did that, how was it, you know... I, we don't do the same thing with sex. Yeah. So we don't get that external information, those challenges, those thoughts, those perspective shifts, those kind of considerations. We tend to stay put a bit more. Yeah, and you know what? That's what I quite like about um, sort of TV nowadays. They're introducing way more of, you know, when you were talking about the internalised homophobia and stuff, I feel like you, you see a lot more of that on tv and it's it's good because a lot of the older generations that might have these old-fashioned dated views they're not really listening to podcasts they're not really willing to like want to change their views on these things really unless it's like right in front of them so I feel like podcasts like these or just like yeah conversations like these that then you know maybe a younger audience might listen to that they can like bring up with their family or yeah having it on your tv I think is another great way of like just getting the conversation going I feel like that was one of the main things with this podcast that I wanted to do was have these conversations and create you know another platform another place to listen because I feel like especially when it comes to sex we just want to feel like oh my god thank god someone else is going through that as well because same and it's almost as if like we're having a one-on-one chat like I wanted to be that person that asks people like you these questions or gives my followers the chance to you know anonymously ask these questions that they might not be comfortable enough to speak to with their family or like a GP or anything like that so mm. and I think back to the watching TV you know, thing on things on our TV now we see that intimacy coordinators are now 
involved in TV shows. And so people like Eater O'Brien who work on shows like Sex Education, Normal People, Bridgerton, I May Destroy You, these amazing series where you might not necessarily in the moment think, oh yeah, that actually is more like the sex that I might have or that was seems like a really good sex scene or that seemed really hot or, you know, I liked that things like in normal people when they got their clothes stuck getting them off their heads and like, trying to get out of their trousers and things like that. And that's because intimacy coordinators are on set making the sex more realistic, making it more accurate. Things like, um, I interviewed Eta on my podcast actually, she was saying things like a scene where the angle wasn't quite right and so a penis and vagina penetrative sex, like an intercourse scene, looks like an anal sex scene because someone hasn't got their legs bent. And so as a viewer, you're watching it being like, is that like, is that working? Or that someone would, you know, take, like move the position of sex, but they wouldn't withdraw and then re-penetrate their partner. So actually the way that it's filmed isn't realistic. And we don't think those things, we're not thinking in the moment, critically but we are thinking okay well that doesn't really look possible a lot of the time it wasn't possible but then when we go to have sex and we think we'll try something like that but it's not possible we think oh but it was fine in that tv show so why couldn't I do it the problem must be with me yeah I feel like I love it when my friends tell me like their funny sex stories I'm like oh good I'm glad to hear that like it wasn't like this amazing like porn scene almost like perfect like you know everyone is normal things Things like that do go wrong, even in porn. You just don't see it. They cut it out. It's called editing. Like, I, and we just can't do that literally in real life. And it's a, I always think it's always a funny, funny story to tell. But um, going back to like, you know, when we were sort of talking about um, the sexual narratives and sort of wanting to have the best sex, that was literally one thing that I was going to ask you, which I feel like every female, or to be fair, literally anyone who wants to know, I wanted to ask you specifically, obviously, from a psychosexual and relationship therapist psychosexologist point of view what are do you think the key factors to having the best sex maybe from a more psychological uh viewpoint I know like a lot of younger people might say like oh I I feel like I have the best sex when um I'm a little bit tipsy and then you know obviously that makes um you're not in like a completely clear state of mind or like, do you know what I mean? Like, things like that. Like, from your point of view, what do you think our mindset needs to be like in order to have the best sex? I feel like we kind of maybe know from a physical aspect, like, what, what we might need to do and stuff. But obviously sex is a, hu- a huge amount of having good sex comes from in, yeah. in, in your brain. The greatest sexual organ in the body is our brain. The perspective we have about sex is it's all doing right? It's like, what do we do? Everyone's looking for the magic formula about how to have the best sex. And the reality is, we are all so different, like everything else in life. But for some reason, we want to get a one size fits all formula that works for sex, and we want to apply it to everyone. Um, So I think that's one of the first things to say is, good sex, or the best sex is whatever that looks like for you. And that is one of the things that couples have to navigate or, you know, if there's throuples or more than one partner um, in relationships. And I think... Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. That mindset has quite a lot to do with that. And that's 
about how we improve our sexual well-being. Now, that is going to look different to everybody, but a lot of the time, it's we've t- touched on it, education. So feeling that we actually know our bodies, you know, what we're doing, where we're doing it, what goes where, how we feel, what's safe and healthy for us to do, what our contraceptive choices are. Um, so that's all one side of it. Consent is another massive, massive part of it. Um, it. Knowing our bodies, knowing what we like, what feels good. And the goals of sex shouldn't be orgasm. Obviously, that's fine for it to be your goal, but goal-oriented sex creates a failure kind of success model. And actually what we want people to be doing is like, I'm experiencing pleasure, I'm enjoying this. And it doesn't have to be this linear and heteronormative penis in vagina equals penetration model of sex which kind of ticks the box actually there are plenty of ways for people to have sex in other ways now the the back to the mindset bit which was your question is confidence is such a massive part of that and that's where I've slightly gone around the houses and explaining that because I think all of those things can help someone with sexual confidence yeah, that was a massive, um, well, actually a really common question. You kind of touched on them both there that like I do girl talk Q&As and stuff sometimes on my YouTube channel. And every time I ask people for questions, that comes up is like, how do I just be more confident? And I feel like um, sp- specifically for girls um, and another really common question that I got was, um, I think I literally wrote this down. I had a lot of girls sending questions for you asking why can't anyone make me orgasm so like, I just wanted to know if you had any psychological tips if that makes sense because you know for girls you might be thinking like you know he's doing everything right like physically and stuff and so like why why can't he make or, or she sorry like uh make me make me orgasm so then I'm thinking girls are obviously and I and I 100% speak for myself when I say this because I'm such an overthinker in like a lot of situations like work or even when it comes to sex like I'm like sometimes I find it hard to relax and I feel like because I'm overthinking like everything that's going on like oh my god does like my body look okay like and and everything like that that comes with it so do you think that plays like a big part in being able to just sort of like let yourself go in the moment because for the like for anyone that sent in that question because I did get it a lot it might actually be um you know not not like a you problem but in the sense of the way that you're thinking about it and like yeah I suppose that goes back to the sexual narratives of it you need to come to terms with like how you you're feeling about the way that you think about sex Mm, absolutely and I think how we think about sex you know you you really um I really love that you just said that like not a you problem because what I think is so many people think it's a you problem and actually it's a society's messages impact on you problem that's what repeated messages problem messages from the media problem so it's all that stuff you know kind of internalizing it um one of the things I would say is if I was working with someone who came to me and said I'm really struggling to orgasm Um, with a partner it's having an impact on the relationship or I really want to work this out is one of the first things is are they able to orgasm on their own so is this something that we call situational which is only in a particular situation does the problem happen and what's really common for both men and women is that we see that sexual problems are situational and that situation tends to be with a partner there right or with their partner there so what that indicates is that their body hasn't just changed because there's someone else there, but their perception of the sexual situation has changed and that is enough to make things go differently. And this is where we see this impact of mind on body. And we can see that psychology, mindset, perspective can change the way our body sexually functions. So men can lose erections like that because they become anxious women can tense up and be unable to have penetration people can struggle to become aroused distraction massive problem for our sex lives interrupts arousal interrupts desire so in terms of if women and we're talking about women here um are struggling to orgasm 
the first thing is building up that confidence, which is getting to know your body, not just your genitals, but head to toe, what feels good, what I like, exploring yourself in terms of kind of pleasure, but all over your skin, you know, you've got nerve endings all over your body and getting comfortable with that as an initial step and then building that up to kind of masturbation and self-pleasure and self-exploration where there is no pressure. And the important thing here is that it should be without the goal of trying to orgasm, but actually just allowing yourself to be in the moment and enjoy it. Because yeah. this is where we have a goal, we have pressure, and the pressure creates distraction, creates thoughts. And what that does is it takes us out of our body and takes us up into our heads. And the best way for us to get to that place of, you know, whether it's orgasm or a peak experience or just a really kind of pleasurable state is by being in the moment and really focusing on the sensations that we're having. And there are lots of um, lots of research done around mindful sex. So Dr. Laurie Brotto is the kind of leading researcher in this space. Um, she has done lots of stuff online. She's done lots of podcasts. Look her up. Um, she's been on my podcast. But there are also amazing apps like Furley who have put all of that knowledge into audio guided kind of follow along exercises into content to help you to get to that space to kind of shed some of the things that are the barriers that are getting in the way of you getting to where you want so I think it's it's two-pronged because yes our mindset has a massive part of it but actually if we've never learned what feels good for us how our body works how we build a relationship with our bodies on our own how are we meant to do that then when there's a partner present? Yeah, do you know what? I feel like that's really great advice um, speaking on just like straight relationships. If if you're asking that question and it's like because you're in a relationship with your boyfriend and, you know, you're like, oh, I can't, I can't orgasm with him and stuff and it's something that you've kind of discussed so um, your boyfriend's also feeling the pressure um, of trying to yeah. make you orgasm because you're saying that you can't and stuff. I feel like what you said about just you know, don't set that as the goal. Go into it thinking, I just want to have, like, a really good time. I just want to know what, like, feels good. Like, let... And you're probably, like... Not that the best sex has to be really long. Obviously, that's, you know, one of those narratives. But, obviously, anything that feels good, you'd probably want it to happen for, like, a long, a longer time. So, just, yeah, not putting the pressure on the situation that, like, you know, we both have to orgasm because then you just can't relax but really just using that time to just like yeah explore your um your partner's body and just like you know and you'll probably just find on your own it, there'll be a spot or there'll be something and you'll be like right there it is mm -hmm. like let's let's go from there and then you know for next time so yeah I think that's really good advice not just for women trying to orgasm but for maybe a, a man that might be listening that knows that their partner struggles just put a bit of um less pressure on the situation and be like right I, obviously you both know it's yeah. it's it's a problem but let's just forget about it and let's like not try and get there but let's just enjoy the you know the, the journey of it I've actively encouraged couples to not try and get there if they're struggling <laughs> with that because all it does is create pressure for everyone distractions for everyone she if it we're talking about a male female partner here, she's thinking oh god I feel like this isn't going to happen what's he thinking I don't want him to feel bad no I'm you know, he's thinking I don't think this is going to happen I don't want to disappoint her you know I should be able to do this with all that going on in your head there is no way you guys are both going to be in I, a great sexual place I feel and like I that think, goes back to um I was going to touch on it but I feel like we have covered it are quite a lot just um sort of within the topics we've discussed but I feel like that goes back to sex anxiety and I feel like that's mm. just like a huge factor that can prevent you from from having good sex and like you know the sexual narratives come into that you know the situational stuff that you were talking about can all come into to that and that I feel like that's something that isn't really spoken about enough either because you can get sex sex anxiety from anything e even if yeah. it's from like not having sex for a long time and then suddenly you're in a position where you might be having sex again and then you're suddenly like oh my god I've forgotten how to do it like like all of these all of these psychological things that might prevent you from you know enjoying yourself I feel like at the end of the day you, it's obviously easier said than done but you've got to try and forget about essentially yeah forget everything you know about about sex and what yeah, and the, the common sexual narratives and just be in the moment of just, this is 
every time you have sex, I suppose, is a, is a new time to just like, mm. you know, discover something new and yeah, and try and enjoy yourself and, and relax, really. Yeah, and there's two things that I wanted to say there. So Dr. Laurie Mintz is this amazing... Um, God sexual queen I want to describe her as um, <laughs> she wrote an amazing book called Becoming Orgasmic and she talks a lot about the orgasm gap and how you know all the focus and it ties into sex education stuff has been on penetrative sex intercourse but the way that women primarily orgasm is through direct clitoral stimulation which isn't best achieved through intercourse but so you know if you think about sex education when did the clitoris ever get talked about I mean not not in the sex education I got so there's a huge part of it which is that, which is that we're not saying to women from kind of early sexual education that pleasure is an important part of it or that that might not be the best way that they can have enjoyable sexual experiences. And the other bit is communication. So if you're struggling with sex, talk about it with your partner if you can. Because what happens when you don't is you both assume the worst. And your assumptions fill basically like an information vacuum. If we don't have the information, we all put our worst assumptions in there to fill the gap. And filling that gap is going to be thoughts like, my partner is no longer attracted to me. Maybe my partner is having an affair. My partner doesn't desire me anymore. I'm not feeling good about myself. It must be that I'm actually no longer attractive to them. Um, What am I doing wrong here? Why does my partner not love me? All of that stuff. And if we actually just said to our partners, do you know what, I'm actually finding sex a bit difficult at the moment, or um, I've kind of like got a bit in my head, or I'm really distracted because work is making me really stressed, or that thing that's going on with my family, I'm feeling really emotionally a bit dysregulated and I just can't stop thinking about it, I can't get out of my head, I'm really struggling to get in the right headspace for sex. What can we do to work on this together, or what would be helpful is very different to assuming that there is something very wrong with what's going on. Obviously, some sexual problems come from relationship difficulties, of course, but a lot of the time, that information gap causes so many problems for couples. Yeah. I feel like it always comes back down to communication. And I was listening to a podcast not long ago, um, the Out of the Sex with Emily podcast. Yeah. Yeah, she always says, like, it's so important to have these conversations, but like outside of the bedroom, clear headspace, mm-hmm. like, and just like have it as a, a a genuine question, not like after you've just had sex where you're in that, what, what do people call it, like post-nut clarity and you're not really thinking and you're just sort of like not giving it your full thoughts and your answers. But sex is a huge part of a relationship that if there, if you think there's a problem or like you, you want to make it better in order to like keep, like, you know, stay in this relationship and, and stuff, 100% you need to communicate that in whatever way I suppose you find comfortable, but communication, I feel like, is always, it's always what it comes comes back down to, even if it's just expressing, you know, move your finger to the left or, like, something. Do you know what I mean? Just say it. Like, no, how is anyone going to know unless you say it? And then you just, and then you just learn, learn from there. But also, sex changes. And... We never talk about that. Yeah. Do you know, I never, never really think about, about that. the fact that it changes. We just are like, okay, well, that's the way it should be, so that's the way it should always be. But nothing else doesn't change. Yeah. So why, when sex might change, can't we talk about it and be like, do you know what, I used to really like that, but it's not working for me at the moment. Can we try something different? Right. You know, that used to feel good for me, but since I, you know, it could be something, it doesn't have to all be about sex, either. it doesn't have to be like post-pregnancy, posting. since I broke my leg, that position actually really hurts now, it doesn't feel as easy for me, so do you mind if we try something else? Yeah, do you know, I feel like people are scared to say that because they don't want to offend their partner for some reason, but, it, and, but I feel like everyone always thinks like, I would so much rather you told me that, like, I'm doing something that you're not enjoying. Like, yeah, at mm. first it might be a bit like, ah, like, I can't believe I was doing that. But then you just work on it and it's like, right, well, I'm glad I'm not continuing to do that because that would, I feel like, would be not, like, more... Embarrassing is the wrong word, but I feel like that is the feeling that people do do feel when confronted with these situations is just a, a little bit of embarrassment or something. And to be fair, going back to the narrative when you were talking about, you know, we don't talk about 
like clitoral stimulation like enough because I feel like there's a sexual narrative that boys don't know where that is so then boys don't actually really try so then there's a lot of more pressure on the girl to do it themselves but then you might have the confidence to do it yourselves it's all that thing I feel like once you establish a really great communication with whoever you're doing it with um that is a huge factor in in having like really really great sex but I think the anatomy thing is also you know it's not just that it's I think it was the Eva Peel did research which showed that I think it was 40% of women couldn't correctly label an anatomical diagram of the vagina and the vulva. So it's not just that men right. don't know, women also don't know. I feel like when you're and a woman you just problematic. you just you know what to do but you're not actually really taking into consideration like where you're doing it. So yeah, do you know what? I totally agree. I'm just trying to think if I was presented with a diagram, I feel like I feel like I'd be able to know where that like where everything was, but now you've said that. The simple things maybe. like when we say vagina a lot of the time, we actually mean vulva, which is the external Oh god, see now I'm, I'm now suddenly like <laughs> Oh god, suddenly I've suddenly I've got no idea. No, but as in like even that's the stuff that we're trying to change through education yeah. at the moment. You know, when people say vagina what the vagina is, is the internal canal, which is from the cervix, the neck of the womb, down to the labia. It's not the whole thing. It's not everything that you see. So the external genitals on a woman are called the vulva. But right. how confusing that we're told from day one that that's a vagina. And so then if you think about it in terms of health, if someone went to their doctor and said, I think there's a problem with my vagina, or I've got pain in my vagina or a rash, they're actually saying to their doctor the wrong thing. Yeah. And so that's why the Eva Peel and, you know, places like um, Lady Garden Campaign do such massive educational work. And the, the premise is get to know your body because then when there's something wrong, you will know you're normal. Yeah, I suddenly need to reteach myself, like, <laughs> this, uh, my like, what I know about sex education. We'll move on to the final part of the episode because we could probably chat for hours. But um, oh, yeah, I, 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 <laughs> I wanted to um, give my followers a chance to send in their kind of questions or relationship dilemmas or anything, really, um, for you. So this section is called Dear Kate. So I've picked a few um, to go through. So we'll start with uh, someone sent in, Dear Kate, how do you not carry previous trauma into new relationships I find myself having such a barrier because of experiences despite mentally working through my issues and supposedly I thought healing from them how do I continue to learn to relax and to trust my future partners yeah I think it's a really really big question and obviously every individual is going to have their own journey I hate that word but journey to that but I think the education bit is a part of it getting to know yourself again and trust yourself again knowing your boundaries knowing your no's and your yeses and there are amazing you know if you're really struggling with something that's been traumatic for you I think going to speak to a professional about it and now there are amazing therapists um offering all of that online as well but I think that Getting to know yourself again and trust yourself again is going to help you to be able to then trust other people again. And being aware of yourself and what your triggers might be is another thing. So quite often when working with people who have had traumatic experiences, knowing your triggers is something that you can say to your partner. Those are the things that you can't do. Those are the things that are not okay. And again, it's back to that really clear communication part. But it takes quite a lot of time and there isn't a set, you know, value, um, not value, there isn't like a set amount of time or a kind of formula for how much time that it might take. Yeah, again, with the pressure, don't put pressure on yourself that you think, right, like, I've been single for two months now, I need to, you know, get into gear and, you know, sort sort myself out. Like, building confidence to, you know, vocalise everything that you've just said takes a huge amount of time and no one can tell you how quick that is. It obviously all depends on the trauma that you went through as well. If you went through something really horrific, that can take years, you know, to, mm. but don't be scared of the time limit, I think as well. Like, I, I feel like that applies to so many things, like so much pressure to like get certain things done in a certain amount of time. And it's like, who told you that you had to, like, wh where yeah. did this time limit come from? That's something that you've obviously set yourself 
but yeah definitely just to to forget that take as much time as you need I always feel like that isn't that just such a reassuring thing like in any situation when um you're maybe you're going to be late for something and you feel really bad or or, or something and someone just says to you it's apt, like just take as much time yeah. as you need. I feel like that just takes such a huge weight off your shoulders. And I think it's finding what helps you to heal. Defo, yeah. And that could be anything, like whatever, yeah. whatever it takes. I hope that helped if you were the person that sent that in. Another question that I got was, Dear Kate, can you give any advice on masturbation in a marriage, especially since I have a husband, how I deal with the fact that he would rather be involved, but sometimes a woman just needs her alone time. I think it's a really good point because also what um, one of the common narratives might be or stories might be is that people in relationships don't masturbate, like masturbating is only for single people and it's just not true. I think that knowing that you can have individual sex lives and individual experiences on your own without every experiencing having every experience having to be a couple experience is a really important thing and those two things can go alongside each other and it can sometimes be that actually the meaning of what we're doing can be different every time it might be like look I really want to feel close to you or connected with you um I want to have like some couple time but equally like sometimes I just want to be on my own experience pleasure and focus on me and I think that the way that you're communicating it to a partner is this is not kind of about you or about us. This is actually just something I want to do on my own and we will still do our stuff. Because I think that's where people's anxieties come from is it's like, why am I being left out? Or why don't you want to do this with me? Whereas actually we can understand that the two things don't have to be mutually exclusive. Yeah, and I feel like um, it only is should be... I feel like your partner should only really be concerned if it's you only want to do it on your own and like not have them involved or if you're um, maybe cause I touched on this on a couple of episodes, my first episode with with Paul, um, that someone sent in a question saying that their partner was like addicted to porn so much so that they were like watching it really secretly or like at work. I feel like that it's it's those kind of situations where maybe the alone time that they're having you might need to talk about it because it's it, it's affecting your relationship but if you just want some alone time on your own i'd suggest maybe in the shower when you're having a shower like on your own like use that as like time to maybe have your alone time there's some great toys that are like waterproof and that are like really good like in the shower if yeah i feel like it, it that's the kind of like advice you were sort of asking for definitely with um what you were saying it, it's you know as long as it's not like an issue and it's actually really important to just like have have some alone time and they know that it's actually not a them problem it's just mm -hmm. you know you wanting to ha yeah have that alone time and just communicating and talking about it and then yeah i suppose my suggestion is a great a great place to have your alone time is, you know, when you're showering alone. I feel like that's where a lot of people... Well, we're looking for different things from different sexual experiences, aren't we? And so we can get that sometimes from just being on our own. Like, we don't have to think about anything. Yeah, and you, you can use things that you did on your own, bring it into the bedroom, be like, I did this the other day, it was amazing, now I want you to be involved and, like, you know do it with me. So another question, we'll do a couple more. Someone said, Dear Kate, me and my boyfriend have pretty opposite sex drives. His is really high and mine is really low. I just don't really think about sex often at all. Do you have any advice for meeting in the middle? I hate him feeling unwanted. Go and read the book, Mind the Gap by Dr. Karen Gurney. Mind Watch the Gap. Watch her TED talk, listen to she was the first person I interviewed for the first series of my podcast. She is the expert in desire. And so much of, so many of the problems that we have with desire come from how we think and understand it. Yeah. And I think when we can turn all of that stuff on our head, we stop blaming, which I think sounds like a, a bit of what's going on here. And then blaming makes us feel bad and then that's going to further push the problem. Whereas actually what we understand is that very few couples are perfectly sexually matched in what, how much, how often they desire to have sexual experiences. But that's something that can be worked on and improved 
and that desire can be something which emerges in response to sexual stimulation or certain situations. It doesn't have to be something that's just spontaneously there. Yeah, I feel like that's a very, very common situation to have within a relationship. I'm going to, I'm not even in a relationship, but I want to listen to that um, TED talk afterwards. What did you say it was again? Karen Gurney. Karen Gurney. her book is Mind the Gap. If you put Karen Gurney TED Mind talk into YouTube, you'll get it. She is, I'm, the I'm book's even, amazing. Yeah, I'm definitely going to give that a listen just to get a little bit more insight on it. But um, we'll do one more question. Dear Kate, I went from having multiple sexual partners in the past to not having any sex at all for about a year straight. And it's kind of starting to confuse me on why this is happening, if anything. I'm not sad about it. And that's also the confusing thing. My question is, when we go through a self-love journey, is this a normal thing that happens? I think that it's back to the meaning of sex, the kind of why of sex, not the what here. And it's what were those experiences giving you or what did the time without those sexual experiences give you? And I think, I don't um, know if this person's framed it as like a positive or a negative, but I think understanding that our sex lives go through phases and stages and we can think about that in whatever way works for us and we can kind of make sense of it in whatever way works for us. And that's, it, that's not uncommon for us to go through these periods of change. Or well, difference. also, let's not forget, we've just been through a pandemic. I was going to say, a lot of people for, haven't. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, you're definitely not the only one in that boat. For a while, we weren't allowed to leave our house. And unless you were living with your partner or you moved in with a boyfriend, it... it as, and even when we came out of a lockdown, we still couldn't really act the way that we used to. Like at bars, you always had to sit down. And I feel like the fun thing about meeting people when you're out is being able to like mingle between tables and chat and, and whatever. So definitely don't put pressure on it. And the fact that you, you're saying that you're not sad, that's fine. Listen to the way that you're you're thinking about it. Maybe, well, actually, a lot of people really discovered a new side to themselves during the pandemic because mm. all you could do was sort of be at one with yourself and discover new things, change, like, outlooks on life change because things are just put into perspective and stuff. So maybe you've actually just realised, you said that you went from having multiple sexual partners. Maybe you're realising, oh, actually, I don't need to have multiple sexual partners to be able to, like, get the most out of life. I don't know if that's obviously, like, the way that you were viewing it before, but the fact that you're saying, I'm not having sex and I'm not sad... I feel like, don't think that's a bad thing. Like, do you know what I mean? <laughs> I feel like, num yeah, number one, a but lot of people that are in that you, boat. Yeah, but also that you don't have to have a partner to have a sex life. Oh, yeah, and that as well. I feel like it's because we could go out and find those people that it was obviously just more common to have a partner. But now just so much of us, after spending all this time at home alone, are kind of enjoying it a bit more and you just, and you just discover these new things that you enjoy so i hope that kind of helps i hope yeah definitely you're not alone in that situation it's definitely mm. not a bad thing it just actually maybe goes to show that you're just developed like over the last year you've just developed a different mindset and outlook and a different narrative towards it that's absolutely nothing to be ashamed of or like it's just change i feel like change can just be a bit scary sometimes but yeah from what we're both saying it's definitely Normal, a normal thing that probably a lot of people went through over the last year. Right, well, that was so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on and chatting with me. That was really interesting and insightful. I definitely think there's like two podcasts I'm going to be listening to after this, one including including yours. Do you just want to remind everyone where people can find you and listen to, to your podcast? Yeah, the podcast is The Sexual Wellness Sessions. Um, it's the way I frame it is informal but informative conversations about different topics around sex. So whether it's desire, sexual fantasies, erectile dysfunction, um, postpartum sex, motherhood and sex, the future of sex. You know, I've covered lots of different things. Also, if you've got an idea for an episode and you want to hear it, just send me a message and let me know. Um, and I'm on Instagram at Kate Moyle Therapy. My website is my name, katemoyle.co.uk. Oh my god. Well, I, I feel like I'm going to go through a binging session of all of your episodes because <laughs> you, number one, have been so interesting and insightful and just really easy to chat to about these things. And two, by the sounds of it, you've got some pretty epic guests on your podcast as well. So I'm always wanting to find out more about these kind of topics and just learn and expand my knowledge on, you know, psychosexual education. And I feel like people... 
hopefully from this episode might realize that actually oh there are a few things that I want to learn a bit more about that will just like help improve my sex life or just view outlook on sex in general so thank you so much for chatting with me about everything oh thank you for having me on it's been really fun to chat and you know I think as I would say I say this all the time sex education is across the lifetime don't feel just because you feel like you didn't get the sex education or the talking about sex that you needed before that you don't you can't go out and get it yourself or you can't go and get it now does anyone else just feel completely I don't know, my outlook and thoughts towards sex in like a, a more educational way I, and like my knowledge on it all, my brain feels fulfilled with brand new information. That was amazing. I honestly absolutely loved chatting with Kate. She made understanding things and putting things into perspective like so easy and in just yeah, such an easy way to understand. I loved it. So like she said, her own podcast is The Sexual Wellness Sessions. You can find her on Spotify and I think Apple, I would assume. And she is at Kate Moyle Therapy on Instagram. If you want to submit any episode suggestions, like she said in the middle of there, she definitely gave some um, podcast suggestions as well. If you want to keep enriching your knowledge on all things psychosexual, definitely check her out as well as her suggestions. But I really hope you guys enjoyed that episode. Like I've said a thousand times, I absolutely loved speaking with her. Um, I can't wait for our next episode. I'm always so excited for these chats. I really feel like I found my passion of just asking questions to people and just just learning I love learning and I really hope you guys learned something from this episode before you leave like I said at the very beginning make sure you're following the podcast on whatever platform you're listening on right now and make sure you're following the podcast on Instagram at rated r podcast so you never miss any updates or the chance to get involved with guests and submit your own questions. Obviously, you're always kept anonymous. But I will see you next week, guys. I hope you're ready to get rated off. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.